Well, good morning. Great to see you this morning on this uh, chilly day in North Texas. Glad to be with you this morning. Our theme song for the last couple of weeks has been this uh, theme song from the Golden Girls show, right? Uh, Thank you for being a friend. And this has been all about what does it mean to be a friend as a Christian? What does the Bible say to us about what does it mean to be a friend? Kind of looking at a deeper look at the great commandment we did the first week. Remember the great commandment? Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, these are the priorities we should have in our lives. And when Jesus, when we, when we think about what Jesus has done, what we realize is that he helps us to find a neighbor. And a neighbor is everybody that we meet every single day, everywhere we go. God wants us to have the right attitude, the right perspective, the right position when we're out doing whatever we're doing every single day. Our neighbor is every person we meet the prize of God. And if they are the prize of God, then uh, we would understand that if we look at them as the prize of God, then it changes the way we speak. It changes the way we act around every person that we meet. And then last week, we looked at this teaching from Jesus that springs out of the great commandments, which Jesus is challenged to identify then who is my neighbor. And uh, in that challenge, Jesus tells a story about a man who was beaten and robbed and left for dead. And uh, two Jewish men come along, and we look at them, and we think, these are the guys that should have done the right thing, but they did the wrong thing. They passed the man by. But the Samaritan man that Jesus speaks about, the one who everybody expected would be the bad guy in that story, he turned out to be the good guy in the story because he did what was right. And Jesus asked the man at the end of the story, so you tell me. Who is my neighbor? And the man responded by saying, the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus ends by saying, go and do likewise. And I invited you last week to think about that what Jesus said to him and says to us is essentially, go and live a mercyful life. So if we're going to behave as neighbors... Uh, when we live merciful lives toward other people, it begins to impact our society. So today, as we conclude our look at what does it mean to be a friend, we're going to be looking today at what does it mean to choose what is better. And to frame this, we're going to look at a passage out of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord as we explore choosing what is better. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not not be taken from her. Let the church say amen. So you've heard this story before, likely many of you anyway, right? And it's a story in which Martha is painted as too busy, and Mary is left, uh, Martha's painted as too busy, and Mary has left the work to Martha, her sister, because Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus. And if you're like me, the person I relate to most in this story is Martha, because I'm sympathetic to Martha's plight, right? If you're going to eat, somebody's got to prepare the food. It doesn't just magically appear. So I kind of side with Martha, at least at first pass, because like, hey, if we're going to eat, somebody's got to do the work. 
And while our defenses get up for Martha, I don't believe Jesus was trying to slam Martha at all. He was trying to make the point that it's easy to get worried and distracted. It's easy to lose focus. Jesus is telling us we must learn to choose what is better in every situation we encounter. Jesus knew what Mary and Martha didn't know at that day. Jesus knew that he had only a little bit more time on the earth. And he wants us to understand and think about this importance of placing ourselves in a position to choose what is better. Because nobody here knows how much more time they've got on this earth. Do they? Do you? You know, when we live our lives, we think, well, my, my end date is somewhere way out there. But my end date could be today or it could be tomorrow. And Jesus wants us to think about, as he talks with Mary and Martha, Jesus wants us to think about what is better. Don't you think that one of the challenges that we have is that we struggle sometimes to choose what is better? We have to learn to choose what is better. And learning to choose what is better regarding relationships with other people, including those chance meetings that we may have with somebody at the grocery store, it means we have to learn to create space for others. And our first thinking about creating space for others would have to do with, how can I add more time into my daily life? We think, well, if I'm going to spend more time with other people, that means I've got to get some more time. And you and I both know that we don't have the ability to add even one second to our lives. How great it would be if we had a pause button that we could use every single day to stop time for a little bit to get a little bit more. Let's say you could push a, push a pause button and get an extra half an hour a day. Would you do that? Yeah, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Give me an extra half hour if I could. And then if I'm in my house and I see somebody on my street that's out watering, I could maybe push the pause button and I'd go take the time to go talk to them and say, hey, I see you out here, just hadn't had a chance to talk to you, want to visit? If I could just push that pause button. Or maybe at work, when, when all that is going on at work, uh, it, I don't take the time maybe sometimes to, to go and, and check on other people. And, and if I had the pause button to work, I could push it and go to that person that's across the room from me where I work, and I could say, hey, you know, it doesn't look like you're having a very good day. Are you okay? But very often, we don't do those kinds of things because we don't have that pause button, and we've got so much stuff that we've got to do and tend to that we ignore so many other things. So if we can't push the pause button, what do we do? Think about it this way. When was the last time you had a conversation with somebody, and you're having this delightful conversation with somebody? It might even be here on a Sunday morning out in the lobby. And before the conversation is done, you're thinking to yourself, man, I really need to spend some time with this person. It would be a blessing to my life if I could just hang out with this person for a little bit. And then it comes out of your mouth, say, hey, would you, would you mind if we got coffee sometime or had lunch sometime? And what is their response? Their response is, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Give me a holler. Right? And you say, yeah, I'll holler at you. And, and, and do you? How many times have you had that kind of conversation and said, yeah, I'll holler at you, and nothing ever comes of it? And the reason nothing ever comes of it is because you're too busy. I'm too busy. we got so many things that we're occupied with that we don't have that time to spend that time with somebody else because you've already got a plate full of stuff that you're dealing with. But if 
you really decide you really want to take the time to have coffee with that person, you go to the extra effort, you call them up or you send them an email or a text message or whatever, and you say, hey, how about some coffee? And, and, and only then does it happen. It doesn't happen because you had a, a pause button that you could push to, to save that time. It only happens because you move them up on your priority list. So the solution to choosing what is better has to do with our priorities. Now, you may be feeling a little bit like I did as I thought about this in preparation for this morning because I began to think and feel like the guy at the circus that, that has that wonderful act where he has these sticks that are, that are mounted in front of him and he's got a stack of plates and he puts the plates up on the stick and he spins one and then he grabs another plate and he spins another one and he grabs another plate, you know, and he gets five or six of these plates up and they're all spinning and then you sit back and you marvel because this guy gets 10 plates up and he's dancing around like a crazy man, keeping these plates spinning. And I relate to that, don't you? Right? Don't we feel a lot of times like that's the story of our lives? But I just got to admit that I get, start getting a little bit anxious about that because I'm scared he's going to drop one. I'm scared there's one that's going to fall. And I get nervous about all this stuff that's going on, all these plates that are spinning around in front of him. And so just like me, I suspect that there are many of you here today who are spinning so many plates that you don't know how you're ever going to get out of the plate spinning business. If you've got kids at home, there are days that you think you're going to explode because you've got too many plates going at the same time. And at your workplace, maybe you feel like you've got 40 plates that you're trying to keep up in the air because your boss is that kind of a boss that wants to make sure that you've got all those 40 plates going at the same time. Priorities. So as I've been talking, I hope that you maybe thought a little bit about your own priorities. What are your priorities? What are the things on what we might call my priority list? What are the things on your priority list? They would be things like this, wouldn't they? Your priority list includes your job. If you're married, it better include your spouse, right? Uh, it, it would involve your kids. It would involve, if you're a kid, if you're a student, you would involve your homework. It would involve home upkeep, right? A lot of things you do that are to upkeep your house. You mow the lawn, you water things, you clean the house, let the church say amen, you clean the house, right? Okay. You do things like that. Those are things that occupy your time. Those are priorities. And, and you have hobbies. And oh, by the way, I was intentional. I put God at the end because I know you're in church and you say your first priority is God. But we all know that sometimes we move that around, don't we? And we, God slips down a little bit lower and a little bit lower and a little bit lower. But God surely is on your list, right? But we also recognize that these priorities get moved around because of the demands of every day. Uh, if you're a parent and you're getting ready, you're getting your kid ready for school, there's more things that are demanded of you to get them ready for school, right? I know there's a lot of parents that are, that are praising God that school has just started or maybe getting ready to start, right? But in order to get your kids to school, you got to do all those things. You got to get them their shots. You got to get them the clothes. You got to get their school supplies, all those things that, that are all those plates that are spinning, if you have a big project at work, uh, that workload demands that you spend more time at work working on those plates there, your priority list contains the plates that you want to keep up. And if you ignore things on your priority list, if you let a plate drop, very often we pay for that. If you keep ignoring your spouse, it will cause pain in your life. 
if you don't give your kids the time they need with you consistently, you'll pay. You don't do your homework for school, it will cost you. If you don't do your homework for school, it will cost you, maybe not just at school, but it might cost you at home too. If you keep on ignoring that leaky water heater, you'll pay. If you keep pushing your relationship with God lower and lower and lower on your list, you will pay. So maybe what we should do, here's a novel idea, maybe what we should do when we're thinking about our priority list is maybe we should consult God about this, right? Maybe we got to ask God, well, well, what about your priority list, God? Did you know that God has a priority list? God's priorities list is called the Ten Commandments. Let me paraphrase the Ten Commandments if you've not heard them in a while, or maybe if you've never heard them before. The first one is no other God but me. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. No other God but me. The second one is place no idol above me, right? And that's the second one is about maintaining the first one. Don't put other things above me, no other idol. When Moses got these Ten Commandments, the, the Israelites were engaged in a, a lot of chaos in their world and they, they had felt like maybe God had abandoned them, so they started fashioning idols, right? Golden calf. Uh, they started making things that they would worship. Oh, they worshiped uh, gold. They worshiped the God of the sun, the God of the moon, all kinds of things people worshiped back in that day. And God says, don't put those things above me. What is an idol? Well, surely we would say gold could be an idol. Silver could be an idol. There is the God of the wardrobe that some people worship. There is the God of football or baseball or basketball. In fact, I think I've heard it many times from lots of different people now that the new religion of today is professional sports. Think about the money that gets spent on professional sports. Is that not the religion of our day? that we get that and we enjoy that, and we want to do that, we put that above everything else. Oh, I don't know what sport it might be, but, but that, has, that has the potential to become an idol for us. There is the God of sex, the God of food, the God of drugs. If you put it above your relationship with God, then it's an idol. The third one is don't misuse the name of God. And how many shows do you watch is the expletive using the word God and damn used in that show. And why is this a big deal? It's a big deal because you use God and damn together. What it's saying is that you don't respect God. That's the problem with that. Too often in our society, it seems like, Christy and I can't watch a show anymore. You go to Netflix or you go to Amazon Prime or you go to Hulu or you go wherever. It's hard to find, in my opinion, it's hard to find shows nowadays that don't, Take God's name in vain. It demonstrates a lack of respect for God in our society. The fourth one is keep one day each week for replenishing. Uh, this day should be dedicated to replenishing yourself by not working, by giving yourself a break. It's called Sabbath, which means a day set aside for holy purposes. The fifth one, honor your mom and dad. And oh, by the way, the Hebrew understanding of your mom and your dad wasn't just about your biological parents. It was about the people that formed you. There are many people in this room that when they hear this commandment about honoring your mother and your father, they get heartburned about it because they, they didn't have good moms or dads. And they say, how can I honor my mom and my dad when they're terrible to me? Please understand that the Hebrew understanding of this is that, that the people that formed them, not necessarily their biological parents, 
were the ones that they considered mom or dad. Honor your mom and dad. Number six is don't murder. Pretty clear. Don't murder. Number seven is no sex outside of marriage. And by the way, this is why Jesus said, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But Jesus goes on to say, I tell you the truth, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you have committed it with her. And if we're to be fair, friends, today, we say, if you look at that woman or you look at that man with lust in your heart, you have committed it with them. And he said this because there were a lot of legalists around him uh, that he recognized as he's talking. He's thinking, these people are all legalists. Well, they haven't committed adultery. They haven't engaged in improper sex with that person, but they are engaged in a lustful relationship, and it destroys. No sex outside of marriage. It's why we have this astronomical problem in our society called pornography. People use what they see on a screen as an object to be used. It makes a person a piece of meat to be consumed. And this is a violation of the sacred worth of each person. It's a violation of the sacredness of marriage as well. And by the way, as I thought about this in preparation for today, one of the things that popped in my mind was uh, my own anger at the designers of our phones and our computers at providing people ways to, to browse things, to look at things on the Internet that they shouldn't be looking at. On your iPhone, it's called private uh, uh, browsing, right? If you go over there, you can privately browse and nobody knows about what you're looking at. If you've got an Android, Android phone, it's called incognito mode. And, and as in my anger about th- this that's force-fed onto us, because why would you want to hide something you're looking at from somebody else, friends? In my anger, I got on the internet, I said, how do you delete private browsing mode, and I found out you can do it. I didn't know you could do that, and I did it on my phone. I found out, too, that you can delete incognito mode on your your Android phones or your Android tablets or your computer at home, and let's just be honest about it here, friends, today. Let's make sure that you understand that this should be a priority for your marriage. It should be a priority for your life to delete those kinds of things from even getting access to them so that you don't stumble. If you're married, you should insist that your partner do this. In fact, I've said many times before, if you're married, your partner, your partner ought to be able to pick up your phone at any time and look at your browsing history and see what, where you've been, see what you've been looking at. It ought to be part of what we do. And if you're a parent and you have the audacity to give your kids a phone, why in the world would you not delete that ability from their phone? Why in the world would you not do that? As a parent, you have a responsibility to guide your children to do what is right. Boy, you sure ought to delete that from their phones. Number eight is don't steal. Just don't do it. Number nine is don't lie. There's no parenthetical remarks there under don't lie. It says, what about white lies or what about little lies? It says, don't lie. And number 10, don't lust after something that belongs to someone else. Don't lust after something that belongs to someone else, including their wife or their husband or their car or their boat or their house or their dog or their cat or their aquarium or their Oreos even, right? (laughs) Just don't lust after those things. Now, many of you are aware that that, uh, the first four of the great uh, commandments, of the Ten Commandments, have to do with our relationship with God. 
The last six have to do with relationships with others. So when the commandments came and were given to Moses, they were about God and they were about others. It sounds a lot like the great commandment, doesn't it? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, it's consistent throughout Scripture. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. God says, here's your priority list. And so we think about it and we realize that we don't measure up. But don't be faint of heart. Don't be discouraged because there are plenty of other people who have come before you and will come after you who maybe haven't done it as well as we would like as well. The Bible is filled with stories who didn't get their, uh, of people who didn't get their priorities straight. Think about Joseph. Joseph got sold into slavery because he bragged in front of his brothers about how uh, great his relationship was, was with his dad. He was so pride-filled about his relationship with his dad that it chapped his brothers to no end. They wanted to kill him. And they had him out. They took him out, and they beat him, and they left him for dead because he was so pride-filled. Moses didn't get to lead the Israelites into the promised land because Moses began to act and, and, and say some things that indicated that he had the power of God in him, that he could just wield God's power whenever he wanted to. He got too full of himself. His ego got in the way. David had sex outside of marriage. Then he had her husband killed. And oh, by the way, it cost him his son. Over a period of almost 300 years, from about 900 B.C. to 600 B.C., the nation of Israel had no less than 23 different kings of leaders in 300 years, 23 of them in 300 years. And there were 23 of them because they were chasing after the wrong things. They were, they were filled with corruption. They wanted power. They struggled with immorality. And it all ended finally in 587 when Israel was destroyed. Think about it. The nation of God, Israel, was destroyed in 586. And it had everything to do with people not having their priorities straight. The rich young ruler told Jesus he had kept all the commandments. And then Jesus, knowing his heart, said to him, well, there's one last thing that you need to do, and that means you, you, you need to give away all your money and then come follow me. And the guy had so much money that, that it says he walked away sad because he had so much money he couldn't give it up. He had made his money his idol. And that Samaritan story that we looked at last week could, could easily make the case from that story that it's a story about two men who everybody thought they had their priorities straight, but they didn't. And about a man that when they heard the story, everybody thought that that man wouldn't have his party straight, but he did. He showed mercy. So making time for others is about choosing what is better, like Mary did. And choosing what is better is about keeping our priorities straight. It will keep your marriage going in the right direction. It will help keep your kids going in the right direction. If you're dating someone, it will help keep that relationship going in the right direction. It will help you manage your money, keeping your priorities straight. It's, and, and parenthetically, you understand that the part of the reason that God said you should tithe, give 10% of your money back to me, is because God wants us to demonstrate that God is first priority in our lives. That's what tithing is about. And all this conversation about choosing what's better, about keeping our priorities straight, has made me think about my priorities. And, and I just got to say to you that as, as I've worked through each of these messages over the last couple of weeks, 
part of the impact that it's had on me is to help me get away from this perspective that I've, I recognize I've lived in a lot, and that is that, that when I'm away from places where I'm involved in doing something where I'm supposed to be involved, that if I go, like, for instance, going to the grocery store, I have gone to the grocery store pretty much without exception with the purpose of getting the stuff and getting out, and I don't want to be bothered by anything else in between, Right? Uh, and, and I hope you get this. I hope somebody relates to this, right? Because when I go in, I c- kind of keep my head down, and I'm not being aware of what else is going on, and I've realized that that is a big mistake on my part because it means that I have moved those people that I'm seeing in that grocery store or that movie theater or wherever they might be and moved them down on my own priority list, and God says they've got to be a high priority for you and for me. So when I went into the grocery store this past Tuesday night, I went in with a great new attitude. And I just got to tell you, I got to admit to you that I had a great experience shopping on Tuesday night. And who has a great experience when they're shopping? And it was a great experience because my attitude was every person that I was going to see as I was in that grocery store, I was going to smile at. I was going to say hello to. I was going to say, hope you're having a great day. And it was amazing the kind of feedback that I got. You know, I'm going in there thinking I got to have the right attitude, but I got so blessed by all the smiles and the warmth that came back in that. And I believe that's what about that's what putting people as a priority in our lives is all about. It's about choosing the better things than all of the good things. And just so you're aware, one of the things I love about Lighthouse Leadership Academy that, that they're signing up for here today in the lobby, one of the things I love about Lighthouse Leadership Academy is that LLA is designed to help people think about their priorities. What does it mean to be a leader in your business, in your home, wherever you go? I love LLA for that reason. It really helps us think about our priorities. So today, I want to ask you, as I get ready to wrap up here, I want to ask you to, to do an exercise with yourself, or if you're married, to do an exercise with your spouse, or if you have kids, to do this exercise with your kids as well. And, and the exercise is pretty simple. It, it, it means, first of all, make a list of your priorities, the things that are important to you, the things that you feel are your priorities. And then take your list and and put it next to God's list and see how you've done. And if your list doesn't coincide with God's list, maybe you ought to consider moving things around a little bit on your own list so that it matches God's list so that you can be straight with God. And then I want to invite you to take your list after you've compared it to God's list, take your revised list and lay it on your calendar and look what your calendar says about how well you're doing on keeping your priorities straight. What does your calendar show about what your priorities are? If you put your list on your calendar, you'll begin to realize that maybe there are some things that you're doing that really aren't even on your list. And this will give you a great opportunity if you're married to have some conversation with your partner about what's going on and about what the priorities should be. It's a great opportunity if you have kids to sit down with your kids to help them begin to understand what God's priorities are, what God's priorities should look like, and and if things need to change. And here's a couple of suggestions for you as you think about those lists. First, keep the main thing the main thing. You've heard that before, right? Keep the main thing the main thing. Keeping the main thing the main thing means putting 
God first? How does your schedule show that God is first on your priority list? And one of the things that's amazing about taking time, making time for God, is the more time I spend with God, amazing thing that happens is my priorities get rearranged, that I begin to learn to live in a way that I'm in my relationship with God, I'm going through my life, and God begins to reorganize my life because I'm spending that time with God. Keep the main thing the main thing. Second, eliminate time stealers. And these would be priority changers. Learn to say no, especially if saying yes means moving a top priority down the list. Watching TV, surfing the web, uh, playing video games. These aren't evil by any stretch of the imagination, but they are, they can be unproductive. But scheduling time to binge watch Stranger Things is different than making Stranger Things a replacement for taking time with your kids. Because if you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to watch Stranger Things with my kids. I'll have some time with my kids. Who are you kidding? Right? It doesn't work that way. Your kid isn't going to think, wow, I had a great time hanging out with dad today watching Stranger Things. Oh, it might have been fun. But how much meaningful conversation happens because of that? And then third, be interruptible. Be willing to be inconvenienced. The two religious guys that walked past the man that was left for dead and beaten, they couldn't be inconvenienced. They weren't interruptible. Are you interruptible? It could make all the difference in the world for that person that you allow yourself to be interrupted for. It could make all the difference in their life if you would allow yourself to be interrupted for them. So as we think about priorities and this whole concept of being a friend, let me just remind you as I conclude today that that the one thing that we must get straight in order to get our priorities right is to make sure that we're putting God first, and that means we get our relationship with God right by inviting Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. If you have never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, I want to encourage you to do that today. I want to encourage you to do that right now. I want to encourage you to get off the fence and quit dilly-dallying around with God, quit dipping your toes into the water with God, and instead immerse yourself in God's love by inviting Jesus to be your best friend. Thank you for being a friend. My God, because of Jesus Christ, is my very best friend, and he's the one who walks with me, and he's the one who carries me when I feel defeated. He's the one who helps me prioritize my life so that I can do his work and his will. I want to encourage you to not let another day go by without making Jesus your best friend. And if you want to know more about that or talk about that, I'd love to visit with you after the service. I'd love for you to send me an email or send any of our staff an email or talk to somebody that's around you. Ask them, how do I get connected with Jesus. It's real simple. You just have to have your ego in check enough to be able to say, I've made a mess of my life. I don't know how to go forward with my life. And if you would admit that to yourself and invite God in, say, God, I've made a mess of my life. I want to invite your son to be the Lord, the leader of my life. If you would do that, you would begin a journey unlike any other because Jesus will be your best friend. 
I want to invite uh, the band to come back up right now because we're going to conclude the message as we've done over the last couple of weeks. We're going to sing this song uh, called Pour Me Out. And a reminder to you, it says, pour me out, pour me out, pour me out. Wherever I am or wherever I go, pour me out. We need to be people, if we're going to say we are Jesus' followers, we need to be people that follow him by being poured out for the people that are around us. There's somebody that you could run into today when you go get gas after the service today, when you're filling up at the gas station. There could be somebody right on the other side of you that's pumping the gas that's having a horrible day. And you might be the one person that, that God can get their attention of to, to speak some life into them, to give them some encouragement today. Pour me out, pour me out, pour me out. I want to invite you today to recognize the power of what it means to be poured out for God, to help lives get changed for God in this wonderful gift that God's given to us in Jesus' life because Jesus is my best friend. I hope that he's yours.